Grab your Bibles and let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're still in chapter 1. This is part 2 of chapter 1. So uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. It feels weird not to say 1 Timothy. I know we've been saying 1 Timothy for quite some time. Austin did the math and he said if we could do 7 verses every Sunday, we'd be done with 2 Timothy by February, what was it? Like 24th or something like that. He did the math. I said, well, there's some Sundays I only get to one or two verses. He said, well, we may be there till March or May. So I don't, I don't know what that means. So he's the mathematician in the family, not me. Second um, Timothy chapter 1. Last week we saw, uh, as we kicked off Second Timothy, we saw Paul instruct Timothy as his spiritual son to fan the flame of God's righteousness and holiness in his life. And that, and that God did not give Timothy or us a spirit of fear, but rather of a sound mind, love, self, and self-control. These are things that Christians should be pursuing. And this is what we should be doing if we're fanning the flame of God's love in our life. If we're fanning God's righteousness in our life, these are the things that we're going to pursue. We're going to pursue sound minds. We're going to pursue love. And we're going to pursue and have self-control in our lives. And, and to add to this idea, Paul starts in verse 8 of 2 Timothy chapter 2. And he tells Timothy that if you're fanning the flame of godliness in your life, then you're not going to be ashamed. There's not going to be shame in your life for the things of Christ. And Christians should not be people that are ashamed people. We should not be, like, there's going to come a day when Christ is going to return. And Christ, we just sang about it with Joy to the World, where Christ is going to rule from sea to sea. And he's, there will be nothing, no rogue molecules that will be able to do anything weird. And we as Christians will have full and utter control of the universe with Christ. Christ is going to be on his throne. He will be in charge. He will be sovereign from, from Jerusalem. And that is, that is where he's going to rule and reign. And Christians should live in this day and time as men and women of no shame. We should not be ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should not be um, afraid of the message of the gospel. It is, according to Romans chapter 1, it has power to save. It has power to transform. Rather, we should be called, we should be calling this out like a megaphone across the stratosphere that God's gospel is the gospel that transforms and sets us free from the bondages of this present world. So, so we're going to start there in verse 8 of 2 Timothy chapter 1. <clears throat> Therefore, so therefore, the, the reason the word therefore is there is because of what was just talked about in the previous verses. So if you remember from last week, what happens? He said, fan the flame of godliness in you. So therefore, because of that, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord Jesus, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saves us and calls us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. 
So we see here that fanning of the flame of godliness in our lives, we're not going to be ashamed. We're not going to be ashamed of the testimony. And we're not going to be ashamed to even suffer in the consequences in this life of sharing the gospel. Because, listen, we live in a culture right now that is not exactly loving towards the idea of the gospel. Amen? Like, we live in a culture right now that is actually um, very, very um, hostile towards the things of Christ. In fact, um, this week, this next week, I'm going to have a, a gentleman that I have been introduced to and over the last several months. His name's Gabriel Wrench. Um, he is a pastor in Moscow, Idaho, and um, he, he was arrested in 2020. They did a hymn sing outside of City Hall. A couple hundred of the congregation stood outside of the City Hall in Moscow, Idaho, and he was arrested for simply singing a hymn outside of the City Hall when he wasn't supposed to. That, like, that's, that's the culture we live in, and so... You're going to hear that story this week, but just a fascinating thing that we live in. He says, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me. Because here's what happens is when preachers stick their neck out and do things biblically, sometimes we as Christians go, "Uh uh-oh. They got a little heat for that one. I don't know if I like that. None of us like the heat. None of us like the heat, including preachers. But it's what our calling is. Our calling is not to be ashamed of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is king. Jesus is king. Amen. Christ is in charge of all things. Not just a few things. He's in charge of all things. So he says, earlier in the text, he says, fan the flame of godliness in you. And because you fan this flame of godliness, you're going to not be ashamed of the testimony. When Christ is ruling and reigning in your heart and you fan, you stoke that flame of godliness in your heart, you're going to have a desire to want to see men and women hear about this thing. So rather, the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ should be the primary anthem for a believer. Amen? That should be a, an anthem. When I say an anthem, what do we think of? We think of a, a theme or a, a, a song. or Like you, you think of your favorite sports teams, sports, the, the songs. Uh, does, do, does Kansas, does K-State have a, a song that they do about the Jayhawks? I, I don't know. I, listen, I know we're in that. Is that a making of a church? Is that the making of a church split? Okay, all right, just, just checking. All right, just checking. But everybody, but each one of those teams have... Have a theme song, right? And we all, we, uh, you start hearing that song, you, everybody gets to tap in there, because that's the anthem. You're like, yes. And we, as that song sings, everybody stands in the, in the stadiums, and they clap their hands, and they, they rah, 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 right? They're excited. So this is the idea in the text, is there should be an anthem, is the gospel. The gospel is the anthem that should be made much of in the stratosphere and in our lives. And I, know, and I know in this room, if, if, you, if you're put on the spot and ask if you're ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ in this room, everybody in the room is going to be like, well, of course I'm not. Of course I'm not ashamed of Jesus. Because you're in the room. You're in the room. And if you look at the text, you reevaluate what is said um, in the text. It says what? Therefore, don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ, nor of me as prisoner, but share in the sufferings for the gospel by the power of God. 
So let's reevaluate that when you're in the group of friends that might not take too kindly to what you're saying about the Bible or about Christ, they're talking with a filthy tongue or they're using rhetoric that is maybe wicked, mocking biblical standards, do you say something then? Or are you scared that you might suffer some sort of mockery as well? It's one thing to say you love Jesus in church. It's another thing to say it in environments where it's not safe. Roman, or Mark chapter 8, verse 38, Jesus said, If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. So the prerequisite for being unashamed is not in the church house, but rather in your friend's house or in the public square. Are you willing to talk about or take a biblical stance on Christ and make much of him outside of the walls of the church? Are you willing to make much of him in hostile environments? This is the proving ground for your faith, not this room. This is the room where you come to get energized, charged up, and ready to face the weak and worship King Jesus. So absolutely, this is a room that's quote-unquote safe to worship Christ and to make much of Him. But the proving grounds for being unashamed, what did Jesus say in Mark 8? If anyone is ashamed of me in this adulterous and sinful generation. Listen, do we live in an adulterous and sinful generation? So He didn't say, if you're unashamed of me in the church house. He says, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him. Are you willing to talk about Christ outside of the walls of the church? Are you willing to stand on the principles of the Bible in difficult circumstances and hostile areas? Verse 9 continues. Why we should be unashamed. Verse 9 says, He who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purposes and His grace, which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of the age. So we, we see in the text there, it's not, it's the reason we're unashamed is because we've been saved. We've been redeemed. We've been reconciled from our sinful past and our sinful lives. We've been reconciled from the the, the the pits of despair, the pits of hell. God's called us out and pulled us out. And he didn't just pull us out and say, okay, there you go. Good job. He pulls us out and calls us to a holy calling. And not because we are good at what we do, but rather because of his own purposes. Because God says, I want... Who's, who's to be made much of in the Christian life? Who's to be made much of in this world? Not me. Not you. Christ is to be made much of. It is Jesus that we make much of in this church. It is not, listen, this ain't a cult personality revolving around the pastor. Because I'm a mess. 
And if you're looking for me for saving, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. But I can tell you this much. If you're looking to Jesus, Scripture says he's the author and the perfecter of our faith. Amen? He's the one who sets us free. He's the one who puts us into this holy calling. He's the one who gives us purpose. And he did this before the age began. So because of the Lord Jesus Christ, his own purposes, his own will, chose to set you free. He very easily could have left you in your sin and left you in your misery. But rather, the Lord comes into your timeline at just the right time. Romans chapter 5 says, at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. At just the right time, just when all hope seemed like it had faded, just when at the every moment you felt like everything has fallen apart in your life, Christ comes in at just the right point in your life, according to Romans chapter 5, and he dies for the ungodly. That's you. That's me. That's, that's us in the room, right? He comes into your, he inserts himself into your timeline and says, here's hope. Here's majesty. Here's glory. Here's how you can find freedom. Here's how you can find redemption. That's the whole purpose. The reason we celebrate Christmas is that Christ inserts himself into the the timeline of humanity. And if you remember at the beginning of this, when Jesus' birth was announced, the heavens erupted with angels. The sky was just ablaze with beauty. Why? Christ has come and he's going to take back what Adam forfeited. Adam forfeits the earth. He hands the title deed to earth to Satan in the garden. He forfeits all of that over and Jesus comes in as someone like me, but he isn't someone like me because he keeps the law perfectly. He's sinless. He's perfect. He's spotless. And he does what no man, no woman could ever do. He comes back to take back the the title deed to earth. And redeems mankind in the process. And saves us from the consequences of our sin. That's that's, That's the God of the universe. That's the kind of God we serve. That he comes after somebody that's a treasonous creature that commits treason against them. And he's like, I want that one still. I want to buy them back. I want to, I want to make them mine. He, he comes in at just the right time, inserts himself into the timeline, and transforms everything. Transforms everything. Look at what happens in verse 10. He continues. And... and And which now has been manifest through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So the gospel is the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That message, that action that Christ did, he abolished death at the cross when he was hanging on the cross and he said, to tell us that it is finished it's over it's done i've won the war the war has been won and he dies he takes his last breath and he dies and when he does he goes in and he ransacks hell 
You talk about a first-class whipping. He goes in and he beats hell. He beats death. He ransacks hell, takes the keys to death, and get, brings immortality to light for you and I. That we can live for eternity in the perfect beauty of sinlessness and holiness. Woo! I really like the way that NLT reads this and breaks it down. It says, And now he has made all of this plain to us by appearing, by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. Woo! That doesn't get, I know we Baptists, but that should get us a little excited. That should get us a little excited that Christ did what he did. He steps in and he ransacks and he takes and he breaks the power of death. Death is not something we fear as Christians. I'm not afraid to die. If I died today, I know where I'm going to be tomorrow. That's the reason when we do funerals for believers, man, it is not. Yes, are we sad because we lost them? Absolutely. But we do not, as the scripture says, we do not grieve as someone with no hope. We grieve in such a way because we're sad because they're gone in the moment. But there's coming a great getting up morning and you're going to see your loved ones who are in Christ Jesus again. Those that are in Christ never die. They are together forever. So I'm going to see my mom, I'm going to see my dad, I'm going to see my grandparents again. You know why? Because Christ ruled and reigned in their hearts. And for those of you who have lost loved ones in this room who are believers, you're going to see them again. And that's the, another reason why we urge people to come to Christ. Because, man, listen, there's nobody in the room. I, I'm not thinking in myself, man, I'd just like to see somebody go to hell. No. I don't want to see my worst enemy go to hell. I want to see all come to Christ and be redeemed. That's my hope. That's my hope. So he absolutely ransacks death and destroys it. He shows us the pathway to immortality. And we're supposed to keep that quiet? I don't think so. I don't think so. We're called to be the megaphone of this news. We're called to be the megaphone of this news. Verse 11, Paul goes on and and he says... For which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. So this is telling us that he has a calling to tell people about this. And it's to not be ashamed. And and this has application for us. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, I am unashamed of the gospel. For it is power unto salvation to everyone who believes. It's just his anthem. And then in verse 12 he continues and says, For this reason I also suffer these things but I am not ashamed I suffer for the cause of the gospel but I'm not ashamed for I know whom I believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day Woo! listen dear believers he's entrusted you with a message that dwarfs every other message We're called to be unashamed. We're called to be unafraid. And we're called to be the anthem bringer of the good news. And he will keep and guard you. 
Like this is this is the reason I always tell people nobody dies early. The scriptures are very clear. It says it is appointed unto man once to die. So what does that language mean? There is an appointment for this thing called death. You have an end date, just like you had a beginning date, and it was predetermined before the foundation of the world. God knew who you were. Acts chapter 17, verse 26, we talked about that Wednesday night in our, in our men's Bible study. He allotted the period of time and the dwelling place that you're going to be in. Why? So that you would further the gospel. So he says, what? For this reason, for pre- I've been preaching the gospel. That's why I'm in prison. Paul's writing this last letter. This is the last letter Paul writes before he dies. He's about to be killed for preaching the gospel. He says this, For this I suffer these things, but I am unashamed, for I know whom I believed. I know who I believe, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Listen, dear believers, he's entrusted you with this message. We're called to be unashamed. We're called to be light bringers. And he will keep and guard you to carry this message. That's the reason, I, man, I'm telling you, until Jesus is done with me, I'm invincible. Until Jesus is done with me, I'm invincible. Now, I don't go do stupid things. But I'm going to tell you right now, I don't, I don't worry. Scripture tells us in Matthew chapter 6, why do you worry about your life? Don't worry about your life. I'm in the hands of God. I'm in, you're in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ, and He protects you and takes you where you need to go. For what purpose? To spell out the message of hope. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9 says, He will sustain you to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. Jesus is the one who's faithful. Now listen, that should embolden you. That should embolden you. Now, listen, I, I listen. I, I fall short. Anybody else ever fall short? Anybody else ever mess up? Anybody else in the room ever just drop the ball? But guess what? Jesus is faithful. Jesus is the one who doesn't drop the ball. He's the one who holds you in his hand. We used to sing it. He's got the whole world in his hand. He's got the whole world. In his hand. Remember that song? He's got the itty bitty baby. I'm going to sing the whole VBS song. He's got the whole world in his hands. Right? He's got the universe. He's got everything. And he's got you and me, brother and sister, in his hands. He's got all of us. He's the one who's faithful. Now I want you to see that even when you're not faithful, Jesus is. And I'm not saying that 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 should be our striving action to not be faithful. Uh, We should strive to be faithful. We should strive to be holy. We should strive to be blameless. But I'm saying here, it's Christ who does all the work. You just trust and walk in his goodness, his righteousness, his glory. And he'll keep you protected. He'll guard you from all these things. Repent. You say, well, Caleb, I've made a mess of this. 
I've made a mess of this because I've fallen short. I have messed up. What do I do? I've fallen short. Hey, man, that's good news that you've admitted it because that's the first step to admit that you've messed up because so many people don't think they've messed up. If we went and walked around to the majority of people in Cedarville and said, hey, are you a good person? They'd be like, well, of course I am. Why? Well, because I'm just, I'm, a, I'm from Kansas. Right? No. All of us have fallen short. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So when we fall short, what should we do? Repent of our sins and believe the gospel even harder and then move forward towards Jesus, not away from Him. Don't run and hide from Jesus. Run towards Him. Don't be like Adam and Eve where they hid. Own it. Just, Lord, I'm here. It's me again. Lord, Lord, it's me again. I can't, be- I can't believe I just, anybody in the room ever said, I can't believe I did that? Jesus never has, that's never, that, there's never been that occurrence in Jesus. He's not been like, I can't believe Tyler did that again. He knew before the foundation of the world, Tyler would be a mess. And he loved him anyways. He said, well, you're not picking on me. Okay, I'll pick on you. Hang on. I'll get to you. Before the foundation of the world, God knew who you were and He loved you anyways. He knew how messy you'd be and He came after you anyways. He says, I want that one in my family. So what do we do? We repent of our sins and we run towards, we move towards Christ Jesus, not running away from Him, but towards Him. Towards Jesus and let Him sustain you. Let Him guard you. Because you can't hide your sin. You can't overcome your sin. Your sin will overcome you. So stop trying and start trusting. Come on. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Right? Go back to 1 Timothy. I'm sorry. Um, 2 Timothy. You know what I mean. Why am I suffering here in prison? This is why. That is why I suffer here in prison. But I am not ashamed of it. For I know the one whom I trust and I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day he returns. So Paul suffers and he knew he was going to suffer because Jesus told him he was going to suffer. And here is the thing. The scriptures tell us the same thing for you and I. If we carry the message of the gospel to this world, the world is going to hate you. And that's okay. And that's okay. But beloved, I can tell you this. The reward that awaits those who carry and trust in this message is absolutely unimaginable. The reward that is going to be laid before us as men and women who have followed Jesus is going to be unmatched and unbelievable. Forget the coolest Christmas present you've ever got on Christmas morning. What Jesus is going to give his followers is going to blow our minds. From the moment we step into glory until all eternity. I don't think there's going to be a point where we're just going to be like, you know what, I'm bored. I'm bored here. Like We're going to walk in first thing and just be like, are you kidding me? The most valuable thing that we hold in this life is gold, and that's God's pavement. It says asphalt. Just lines the streets with gold. Imagine what the rest of the place is going to look like. Woo! 
So what does Paul tell us to do in verse 13? Follow the pattern of sound words or sound teaching that you've heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So in other words, don't be quiet. Stop being afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be quiet. Be bold. Stand firm on the gospel. Oh, shook it a little bit up here. That's why we're called to be unashamed. We're called to talk about what Christ Jesus has done in our lives. When you're in line at the grocery store next, why not talk about the goodness of God? Why not wear something that causes somebody's conversation to be triggered? That's the reason I wear wear crazy t-shirts that have interesting sayings on them. Because it's Hey, I like your t-shirt. Cool. Let's talk about it. You brought it up. You brought it up. And you know how many times that that's worked? And had the interesting conversations? Let me tell you what Jesus has done in my life. Man, I was a mess. But here's how I was saved and set free. How can I pray for you? Can I pray that God does that in your life? When people say, ah, how did God do this one time? I said, how can I pray for you? I don't need prayer. I was like, well, then I know what I need to pray for then. You need some humbleness. Oof. Why not ask those that are in line how you can pray for them this Christmas season? Like, okay. This is an illustration that, that I use often. When I, especially when I go talk at student events. This is an illustration. Um, if... Let's say here, Nicholas on his cell phone gets a phone call. What's your favorite celebrity, Nicholas? Ryan Reynolds. Okay. Ryan calls your phone. Ryan's assistant calls your phone. Says, hey, Nicholas. I'm... You've won a contest. You didn't know you were involved in it, but you won this contest, Nicholas. And this next weekend, I'm coming to hang out in Cedar Hill with you. I'm gonna like I'm gonna bring my limos. I'm gonna bring my people. We're gonna hang out, and you, you and I, we're gonna hang. Like you get all access. I'm paying for everything. I'm taking care of everything. Everything's gonna be awesome. What's your response when you hang up? Like you're not gonna be like, oh, that's cool, awesome. Like if you're, you name your favorite celebrity, think of your favorite person that you look up to. I can tell you right now, Hannah, if Taylor Swift called Hannah. (laughs) Like I am sure I'd be, if Taylor, listen, if Taylor hears this on the radio by chance, hey, if you want to call me, my daughter would love to hang out with you. Right? Like, my daughter would blow up her social media. She would blow up everyone's text. Oh my gosh! Do you know what's happening this next weekend? Ryan's coming over! Taylor's coming! Whoever, whatever your favorite celebrity is. They're coming over! They're going to be a part of this with me! Oh my gosh, I can't wait! It'd be all over our phones. It'd be all over our social media. Be, like, we would, we would blast that through the stratosphere. But you know what's even more amazing? Christ is coming to your 
timeline to seek and to save you and set you free for all eternity, not just the weekend. He's setting you free forever and ever, and he's, he's wiped away. He's abolished the consequences of your sins. He's wiped the sin away from your life. And what do we do in our church services? What do we do in our every, everyday life? Ooh, that's cool. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. When we open our hymns and our sing our songs, we're just like, joy to the world. I promise you, that's good. I think that's the song we're going to sing. I don't think we're going to be standing in heaven going, joy to the world. We're going to be screaming that from the stratospheres. God, joy to the world. And you say, Caleb, I can't sing. I don't care. Make it loud. Let's do it together. When you do it together, all the voices blend together. It's beautiful. I got video to prove it. So he says, follow the pattern of sound words. Teach these things. Make this an anthem. Follow the sound words that you've heard from me and in faith and in love and in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Guard the good deposit that's been entrusted to you. If the Holy Spirit dwells in you, you should guard that deposit that's been entrusted to you. To do what? To make much of Christ. You should look different. Listen, if, if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, you should look different. You should talk different. You should act different and you should be different. Period. I made a video this last week and I said, the closer you get to the Lord Jesus, the less appealing the world becomes. The the thing that once enticed you, the things that once entertained you, should no longer hold a grip on you or they should at least have less of a grip on you. The things that you laughed at should potentially cause you to weep. The closer you get to Christ, the less appealing the things of the world become. You say, well, Caleb, it's not sinful, the stuff I'm watching. Okay, amen, that's great. But is it causing you to want to love Jesus more? Are the things that you're following, the things that you're dwelling, the things that you're focused on, are those the things that make you want to love Jesus more, follow him more boldly, and make more noise about the king's mission? Maybe, maybe it's not sinful, but does it push you towards being more Christ-like? Does it make you want to love Jesus more? Romans chapter 8, verse 9 says, You, however, are not controlled by the flesh, but by the Spirit. And if the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Oh, dear brothers and sisters, I I long to be different. I want to be different as a Christian. Although sometimes I'm not. Anybody else? Sometimes I feel like Paul in Romans chapter 7 that says, I do the very things I hate. But that's not an excuse for us just to be like, well, I sometimes do some bad. Yeah, like that's the t-shirt that I hate the most. Because it's, it's an excuse. Yeah, I'm a Christian, but I cuss a little. Really? Like you're making that, you know what that is? That's making an excuse. Yeah, I'm a Christian, but. Don't make an excuse for these things. We should make war against our sin. Yeah, I'm a Christian, but sometimes I cuss, but I hate that. 
oh, I'm going to cut that out like a cancer. Yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian, but sometimes I look at porn. No, that's not how that works. Yeah, sometimes I'm a Christian, but I, I yell at my wife. Sometimes I'm a, yeah, I'm a Christian, but sometimes I get mad and flip the bird out the window at, in the car. This shouldn't make an excuse for our sins. Rather, we should make war against the sin that tries to rob us of our eternal blessings. What we do oftentimes is we trade temporary blessings, temporary joys, temporary appeasement for eternal joy and blessing. And I'm telling you, eternal joy is so much better than the temporary stuff. Join, this is my calling for us today. Is join me in this idea of, of telling Christ, I'm done. I'm done making peace with my sin. I'm done making peace with the world. And today, join your pastor in crying out to our Heavenly Father, asking Him to forgive us of our sins, to, to hand us mercy and grace rather than justice and wrath. That's how I opened our, my prayer this morning in Sunday school is, God, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me where I've fallen short. And as verse 14 says, by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, guard the good deposit that has been entrusted to you. God's entrusted something to you. You're an ambassador. Start acting like one. You're an ambassador. Start acting like one. We, we are to guard the treasure of the good news of salvation that has been laid out in the scriptures. And don't, don't fall into the trap or the lie that gives us a, a false sense of security. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian. Well, what do you base that on? You know what I used to base mine on? My dad was a pastor. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I got to go to church with my dad. My dad's a pastor. Well, that ain't biblical. That's not how you get saved. Because daddy was a pastor. I don't ride dad's coattails into the kingdom. You don't either. Don't, don't fall for or buy the lie that gives you this false sense of security. I would, I would call you this morning to join me as the Lord in his word says, repent and believe the gospel. Ask the Lord to do a work in your heart to stir your affections towards Him. Ask Him to do whatever it's necessary, whatever is necessary, that He would be pleased with you. And at the end of this thing, get on it. Start talking about Him. Stop being afraid of what people might think. Stop being afraid of what might happen. <clears throat> 